turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7 and verse 24. In a few moments, we'll work our way over into 1 Timothy together. Let me just say this to you this morning. I love you, and I am glad that you're here. I'm glad to, to welcome all the folks that are watching online. I, I, it never ceases to amaze me that the people are either watching on Facebook, they're watching on YouTube, or so, some other venue, and I'm sure they are this morning. So praise be unto God for all who have gathered together in the house this morning. This morning, we begin a new sermon series together entitled Purpose-Filled Living. Say that with me. Purpose-filled living. One more time, a little bit louder. Purpose-filled living. We have found in our relationship with Jesus Christ that when He calls us first, He says, follow. And then when He moves from that, remember He says, if you're going to abide in Me, we've been talking about it all the last two weeks together, is that God says, I want you to go that next step. Remember what I said last week. It's coming on the screen for you. I said this last week. God's call on our lives is to continue growing in your walk of faith. And I want you to hear this. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, is giving his first sermon. Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life living in front of the world, living in obscurion with his Father as he learned obedience before God, the perfect Son of God, the Messiah of the Christ. And so he began his ministry at 30, and the first sermon he preached is in Matthew 5 through 7. He comes to the end of the message, and he's going to invite them to follow, and he says these words to them in, in this invitation in verse number 24. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Do you see the progression? Whoever hears and does, say that with me, hears and does. This is so important for us to grasp this morning. You saw the verse that came on the screen that, uh, during the little video that we're doing this new series, James 1 and 19, that you be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. That's a great thing. You can stop and hear things, but if you don't move forward to the next thing, which is this James 1, do not just be hearers only, but be doers of the Word of God. You say, well, why do I need that? Well, look on the screen. The next slide's coming. You and I cannot grow in our faith apart from purpose-filled living. If we do not purposely do some things with our lives, things will fall apart. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 24, if, if you hear my words and do them, you will be likened to a wise man or person who builds his house on the rock. The rock is Jesus. Amen? It's a solid foundation. Matthew 16, 18, on the rock of Jesus. And when the rain rains fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on this house, it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. Now, follow with me for a moment. Here it says, when the rain fell. What rain falls in your life? I know there's physical rain that falls. Thanks be unto God for that. But how many of you, somebody rained on your parade this week? Or maybe it's your job, rain fell. How, how many of you, the floods came? As you begin to get older, things change, don't they? You lose loved ones, floods come. You lose a job. People around you just have hard times in relationship. The floods come, and maybe in your marriage it comes. Something happens, then the floods come. And not only that, the winds begin to blow. The winds of hell begin to blow. Your job changes, your life changes, everything. Everything's moving. Listen to me. If you're only a hearer of God's Word, you'll say something like this in the storm. Now, what did God say? Now, what did God say? But if you, listen to me, if you live purposely in your life, 
Then it will be different for you that when all these things come, you're going to be like a tree, Psalm 1 and 3, planted by the waters, who is there flourishes even in dry season. And I want for you in 2024 for you to live purposely because Jesus said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And since God freely chose you by His grace, your job now is to focus your life upon Him. We as a church live this way. Our mission statement is that we, is that we exist to love God and make disciples of all people. And every year at the beginning of the year, we do our best to put together for you a reminder of how we do that. And here's how that we do that. We live purposely. Now look on the screen. Purpose-filled living happens when we purpose God-centered core values. Now I know this, and so do you, if you're a person who exercises. You have to exercise the core, do you not? If you don't exercise the core, everything out here on the exterior, it may look good for a while, but if you don't exercise in the core of your life, it cannot withstand because you've got to have a core, and we call it this, our core values. A value is something you know and I know that somebody instills in us. Anybody tell me I'm telling the truth? They may instill in you the value of work. Life's not in 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11, where that Peter said that God's given you everything for life and godliness. He went on after that. He said, but your job is to add to these things, to add to virtue, which means excellence. I said to our students last night, they should have a core value that they want to work. If they want to be in camp this summer, they're 15 and 16 years of age, they should get a job. Is that a good core value? I want to ask you this today. What are your values that you go to when the rain falls, when the storm comes, and when the wind blows? Some of you, your value is this, I can outscream them and win. Some others of you in your dysfunction, I can outpout them and win. I can complain and win. I can vote them out. But God says, come to me. And the New Testament church were people that they came to him and, and they had these values you see, when you have a value in your life, everything else that you look at comes through that value or through that lens. And if you have the wrong values in your life, no matter what anybody else says, unless you change the core of who you are. Am I right, brother? Unless you change the core of who you are, that's who that you're going to be. You see, I, this is the joy that I want to tell you that in 2024, if you'll get purposeful with God... If you'll get purposeful with God, you'll be able to do these things. But listen to me clearly. The very first core that you must have is this. Our first core values coming on the screen as a church is that we value knowing, now watch, and applying God's Word to every part of our lives. Now, here's Jesus in Matthew 7. He gives the other illustration, verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine, they go to church on Sunday, they sit there, hear these words of mine, and does not do them. He does not do them. Now watch this. The Bible says here, he will be like a foolish person who builds his house on the what? The sand. If you build your life on values that are not biblical, you're on sinking sand. If you build them on the American dream, they're sinking sand. If you've made them up yourself and come to believe them yourself or a mixture of God and these things, they will not last. And the Scripture says these same rains fell, these same floods came, and the same winds blew against their house, and it fell and great was the fall of it. Do you know that we're living in a country now that's living in the fallout of, of the rains coming, the storms, Brother Danny, and they're falling because they're not any longer founded on the foundation of God's Word. 
But that's not going to be us. Today, I want to share with you and walk you down a path. You say, what are you going to do? I'm just going to try to convince you today to not only hear God's Word, but begin to know it and apply it in your life. If you'll go with me in your Bible now to 1 Timothy in chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, over the next six weeks, we're going to focus our attention in the book of 1 Timothy as we look and see how all these values play out in Paul's letter to a church. Paul was writing to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. We'll have more to say about him as we go along. But as he writes to them, you need to know this, that currently Paul was in a Roman prison and he was awaiting death. He'd already in 2 Timothy been sentenced. He had not been sentenced in 1 Timothy. He's awaiting and he's writing to Timothy because Timothy was in a church that was a difficult church. It had been a good church. It was the church at Ephesus. But now false teachers are coming in, tearing down the foundation. They were trying to replace, listen to the, the, the rock of Jesus with the sand of time. They were trying to replace the rock of Jesus Christ, the word of Jesus Christ, with the tradition of men or with the new ways of men, fables and stories. And so Paul writes to him to encourage him, but also this he knew something that he wanted to go and be with them and help him, but he knew that he might not. In chapter 3, if you'll look down in verse 14, here's what the Bible says, I hope to come to you soon. This is, this is the truth. He says, I, I hope to get out of this place to you, but I'm writing these things so that, you, so that you notice if I delay, in other words, if I don't get to come, you may know how you ought to behave in the household of God. Now, we might think that he's writing simply a, a treatise here that says that when you go to church, do X, Y, and Z. And that is in there because we find the qualifications of a pastor and a deacon in chapter 3. And yesterday, the three men passed the ordination process, and tonight we will ordain them as deacons in our church. It's in there. It also find out how we're to preach the Word of God and how we're to deal with spiritual warfare. And so many other things are in there to get how to pray, how, how, how to worship. It's all right in here, but that's not what he's really focusing on. He said, I want to write something to me so if I don't come that you will in your core of your life because the church, the living church of the Lord Jesus Christ, how you to live your life. Now notice, it is the church of the living God. Jackson First Baptist Church is the sole property of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you are not here, it's just a building. And when you come here, it becomes a church. When we leave here, we're the church dispersed. But we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what he says here. The church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. What in God's earth is a buttress? Well, first, a pillar is the things that hold you up. It is the strength. Jesus is the strength of the church. The buttress is the old King James word means the foundation. So read it this way. The church of the living God, which holds you up in strength and is your foundation in the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm stirred up now to realize that I serve a God that when the rains come and the floods come and the winds blow, no matter what they may look like, they cannot prevail against me if I'm knowing and applying God's Word. Why? Because look what he says in the next verse. God was manifested in the flesh. That's Jesus. He came and lived among us. His incarnation. He was vindicated by the Spirit. The power of the Spirit raised him from the dead. He was seen by angels. He was proclaimed among the nations. He's believed on in the world. And then, praise God, he was taken up into glory. This great man in the prison under the anointing of God who would write two-thirds of the New Testament says, my Lord has been taken up. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says in verses 13 through 18 that he's going to return again in like manner 
and I'm ready for him. And so you say, well, why are you so stirred up because of this? I know this, that if you and I as believers in Christ will purposely live knowing and applying God's word in 2024, we'll reach people in their sand state. And when the rains come against you, you'll have a testimony of what Almighty God can do and is doing in your life. So with that understanding now, go back to chapter 1 with me if you would. As Paul writes to Timothy, as he writes to him, this is God's Word. It is God's Word. Say this, God's Word. God's Word. Paul, an apostle in verse number 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by command of God. Notice this and, and listen to this. Of our Savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope. To Timothy, my two, true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I say this to you? When Paul wrote those words and they went to Ephesus, it would take three months to get there. When it got there and they unrolled the scroll and, and he saw the word Paul and recognized his handwriting, I believe in that moment that Timothy's heart was warmed. Look as it comes on the screen. Pastor Timothy was connected to this core value. When he received the word, he knew Timothy. Uh, Timothy knew Paul, and it warmed his heart. But it wasn't just, it was not just Paul's words. These were God's words. All that Paul was, listen to this, all that he was was the apostle. An apostle was somebody, by the way, had been chosen by the church to lead the, lead the New Testament church. There are no apostles today. They are the original 12. They were invested by God. You see, people, they claim that title today. It is not theirs to claim. They are no such thing as They were the original ones who were there. We are servants of the, of the Lord Jesus. These men, Paul, Peter, James, and John, all the 11 of the 12 disciples, and now Paul began to be the leaders of the church. And when, when he heard these words or read these words, Paul, an apostle, he thought, man, there's something big here. Friend, every time you open the Word of God, there's something big here. It's not like reading online. It's not like all the other things. It's not like, like opening up something and finding the directions. I was putting Sherry's desk together the other day. I thought, I can do this all by myself. And I thought, from previous failures, I better not do this. But you know what? I, I kind of read it, kind of didn't read it. But when you open this, they're so different. There are three little things I want to lay before your heart. Number one is this, Timothy had a, had a charge from God. The charge was, was this, that, that, and we'll see this in a series that will follow after this, that, that Paul will go by the way of the world and die, and he's giving a charge to this young preacher boy that he would step up. I want to say this in 2024, unless we live purposely, what's going to happen to our city? Unless we live purposely, what's going to happen to our schools? If we don't live purposely, what's going to happen to our state and our nation? What's going to happen to the people around us? Because people all around us are running away from the truth. They don't know what to do anymore. Churches anymore do not know what to do anymore. We've got pastors coming out of seminaries who are being taught to tear down the Word of God. It doesn't make sense to me. They ought to be taught how to preach the Word of God. If you come here, I'm training three young men. We, you know we got a seminary right here. we got a seminary right here. It don't cost them anything, but we're training them the Word of God. Listen to me. We live in a day today when people don't know who they are, if they're male or female. We live in a world today where people don't have any ethics or morals. You know why? It's because they've never, ever heard the Word of God. But Timothy had heard the Word of God. And Psalm 119 says this in verse 27, May it be your prayer. Make me understand the ways of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous words. He goes on to say in verse 32, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Think about this, brothers and sisters. The church is an alive place because the Word of God is our foundation. 
You can always stand there. If you'll go over with me to chapter 4 and verse 13 for a moment, look at the challenge that's personally given to Timothy. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to the exhortation, and to teaching. Can I tell you today that it is the call of God upon my life as your pastor and other pastors of this church and leaders and the deacons of this church to always put before you the Word of God. It is our challenge. It is our challenge not to preach about the Word of God. It is our challenge to preach the Word of God. We have been trusted with a stewardship of this Word of God to give to you. It is life-changing no matter who you are and where you are. Why did God do it? Because we're founded. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a worker who needs not to be ashamed. We rightly cut, don't we, brothers and sisters? We rightly cut the Word of God that it may change our life. It was a challenge from God. And he said, what was the challenge? Well, look in verse 3 back in chapter 1, the great challenge of God. He says, I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so you may charge certain persons not to teach any other doctrine. He says, Timothy, it's about to get hard in your church, but my charge to you is to purposely preach the Word of God, to be connected to that. And friend, I want, to hear, I want you to hear this. Foundationally, you cannot make it apart from a church that preaches the Word of God. Those of you sent home this morning who are sick, we understand that. Those of you overseas, we understand that. that we're here to help you. We're, if you don't know the Lord, we're here to help you. But we are not the supplement for you to sit at home. Because if you sit at home, you listen to, you're not drawn to the Word of God. You're distracted from the Word of God. It's a challenge every day. I can tell you personally, I thank you for praying for me and being a part of this church and for tithing and giving. I still yet average 25 hours per week in study by the grace and the mercy of God because I'm just scratching the surface now. But I want to tell you something as a believer that God is going to equip you in 2024 in greater ways if you will take the charge and say, I'm going to become a student of the Word of God. But there's not only a charge, there was the great challenge. In Ephesus, it was a very difficult city. If you read on in verse number 4, there are those who were devoting themselves to myths. They were devoting themselves to endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God. That is by faith. You say, Keith, what in the world was going on? Well, let's just walk through it for a moment. He said in verse 3, Timothy, stay there and teach them not to teach different doctrine. Doctrine simply means this, the study of something, the study of a particular topic. We've been studying God in our personal lives, walking through the grand scheme of Scripture in my own life. But what are you studying right now? What, what floats your boat right now? Is it electronics? Is it the state of the world that's going on? What is it? Is it woodworking? What, what is it that's floating your boat? You will study that. Can I tell you that as they were preaching, as Timothy was preaching, there were those over in the side room who were teaching genealogies. What we discover as we go back and research is this, that they were going back into the Old Testament and they were, they were, in, uh, they were taking stories of, of people in the Bible and they were building their lives around them and they were now teaching them in the place of the truth. I challenge you to watch someone today on TV. I challenge you just to watch them and count how many scriptures that they give you and how many stories they give you. Some places today, they never even open the Word of God. And I'm not saying this to, to make you mad, but I'm saying this to challenge you to say this, that every week Jackson First Baptist Church is in competition with people who are telling stories. We are in competition with people who are lying and not telling the truth of the gospel. They're given a half gospel. And listen to me, you say, are you upset by that? I'm absolutely broken by that. 
Because people are being pulled away from the truth. People are being told that the Bible is really not the Word of God. You say, Keith, what do you know about the Bible? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you a systematic theology overview of what is the Bible. The Bible has all authority. All the words in the Bible are God's words. And to disbelieve and disobey the, the Bible is to disbelieve and disobey God. The Bible is also, it is inerrant. It is without error. John 17 and 17, thy word is truth. The Bible is clear. You don't have to worry about getting a priest to help you understand it. First John 2 and 20, you have an anointing from God. If you are saved, you can read and understand this Bible. This Bible is necessity. In it, you find out how to be saved. You find out how to serve. You find out the future. You have everything that you need. And by the way, it is sufficient. It is the, the sufficient book of all time. All the words are God are needed. And so I want to ask you this. If my Bible was dusty, would you think I'd say it was sufficient? Timothy had to stand up in that moment. And friends, if you have anything else to pray for, will you pray for me? Will you pray for our team as we faithfully train and lead and hold up the Word of God? Every small group leader here, every connect group leader, every Sunday school teacher here, they don't just teach by chance. They go through a training together because we want to be faithful to the Word of God. We told our deacons yesterday that there will not be women deacons in our church. There will not be same-sex marriage adopted in our church. We will hold the course of the Word of God. We will be faithful. We will preach the gospel of Jesus Christ of salvation by grace through faith. We will stand because somebody's got to stand. And by the way, when you stand and the storms come, you know what happens? We've got folks coming now from every, almost every denomination have come to our church. Why do you think they're coming? Because for many years, many of them believed and were practicing the truth and were led in the truth, and now they're not being led in the truth, and they're wise enough to say this, when the storm comes, I'm going to stand on the rock of Jesus. And I'm thankful today that I follow in a long line of people who believe that. So Timothy, Timothy was here in this moment, and he was to take the Word of God. What happens, friends, when we don't take the challenge? You see, when the Word of God is not there to challenge you, you will act impatiently, you'll act rashly, you'll act angrily. These are the telltale signs of inner malnutrition, and I see it in the, in the rod of our society today, but I don't see it in you. I see that, and for many of you, you are growing, you are, you are leaning in. God is, is challenging you, and you are stepping up to the plate because as the storms come, you say this, I have a foundation in the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if it's true or not, but I just lay it out before you. It seems as if pastors that I trust around the country and around the world that are Bible students are saying this, that they believe a great revival of truth is coming. As I read through the Old Testament, the prophet Joel said this. He said, today there's a day of a hunger. There's a, there's a lack of the Word of God, but there will come a day. There will come a day before the Lord Jesus comes that they will return, and they will return, and they will want the truth of the Word of God. Is that your heart? If it is, I celebrate you and say that as the rains come, as the storms go, as, all, as the wind blows, you're going to make it through. Because your life is founded on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. I say this to you today. You will reach your children. You will reach your grandchildren. You will reach the people around you because you have the only tool, the only offensive weapon in the world that works. It is the sword of the Word of God. So I want to challenge you with it. So there is Timothy. Timothy had this charge and challenge, but he also had a choice. You see, you have a choice how you do anything. I don't know if you know that or not. You and I have a choice. Uh, uh, you can do it the easy way or the hard way. 
I don't know what you're facing right now, but Timothy had a choice, and that choice in his life in this moment was in the best way possible to correct the error that was around him. It's one thing for me to say, Keith, 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 help these people, but it's another thing to sacrifice to help these people. You say, what do you mean? To sacrifice means you have to go where they are. The sacrifice is you have to stay where they are. You have to stand up when no one else is standing up. And Paul says to Timothy in verse 5, he said, the aim of our charge, look at it for chapter 1, verse 5, the aim of our charge is love. He says, it's because we love you that week after week and day after day that we come. Now watch this, that issues from a pure heart. Is your heart pure? Do you love America today? I love America. Do you love the students in our school systems and in our private schools today? I love them. I mean, over the weekend, why, why would a 56-year-old man spend his weekend with a bunch of kiddos? Why? Because I love them. Do you, you love the senior adults of this church? As I was calling some of them this week on the phone and talking with them this week, it's because I love them. Do you love your children? Do you you love the people around you? You see, if you love them, you want them to be prepared when the rains come and the floods come and when the winds blow. And for many of us, we have to own the truth is this, that we were at some point busy with other things. We made a choice, listen to me, not to have family devotions. In the second service today, there will be a great crowd. There are a few in this one as well. There will be a great crowd of, of younger folks in the second service with their children, their family. And they are learning how, listen to this, to be moms and dads who make the choice instead of letting their kids go to bed with the things of this world, they read them a Bible verse. Now, you know that's not easy. Anybody remember back when? I can remember when Keith and Beth were small to try to, try to get Keith to be on the same page. Beth was a thinker and Keith was a doer. And I'd sit down with them and, and read, and, and I, I'd come out, Brother Danny, so frustrated, and I won't say anything else, but came out frustrated, and sure, would say, don't quit, wouldn't you? And you say, but preacher, I'm beyond that. No, you're not. Our after-school care program still needs people to make the choice. I want you to know our Sunday morning ministry and everything else that we do requires now a choice in your life. You're not done. Senior adults still need to be making the choice wherever they are. You see, the aim of our charge is love, and that love comes from a pure heart, but also a good conscience. You see, it's of no value to you to share something with somebody that's of no help to them if you're coming with a bent heart. I'm I'm, I'm serious in that, of a bent heart. And I want you, when someday it is for you that when you finish your life that you will have said, I live purposely. That's why that we have some in this room who are in their 70s who still occupy the children's ministry of this church because they are willing to say this, until I die. you got one right now. Until I die, I'm going to be purposeful. But watch what he also says here, and a sincere faith. What is a sincere faith? A sincere faith is this, I'm going to sit down and walk with you through this. I'm going to sit down, and it's going to be my choice to live for you. You say, how does this look? Well, look what it says here in verse number 6. He's going to give you an example. He said, certain persons have swerved from these and have wandered away into vain discussion. They desire to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things which they make a confident assertion. In other words, I'm going to teach whether I know it or not. Wow, that was in his church. Verse 8, now now watch as he teaches in, in the purity and sincerity of faith. Now we know, Paul says, now we know that the law is good. Say good. How, how is it good? How is the law good if one uses it lawfully? 
Understand this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. God gave His law, as Martin Luther described it, as a hammer. As a hammer that would break the proud and obstinate heart. He went on to write, Martin Luther did, this is the purpose of the law, is to bruise and humble and to beat down so that grace could rush in. And this is what Paul is saying here. Now notice this. It's written there for the law. It's those who are disobedient for the ungodly, for the sinner. You say, listen to me. You say, preacher, don't ever confront somebody. What do you mean don't ever confront somebody? How can they change unless they know they need to change? The whole of the Old Testament reminds us that we are sinners in need of God and those commandments are held up by God and says, you can't do them, but I'm going to send my Yeshua, my Messiah, Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. He fulfilled every jot and tittle of the law of God and it reminds me every time I read it, I need the Savior. And once I got the Savior, start abiding in the Savior, I can do the ten. I'll never, Jose, I'll never be perfect in them, this side of him, but the Spirit will always be perfect, fulfilling those things in my life. The law was laid down for people who don't. Look what it says. For murderers, those who strike their fathers and mothers, verse 10, the sexual and moral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. We preach the Word of God. Not against them, but for them. Why? Because in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, which I've been entrusted. He says, Timothy, be reminded that if you make the choice to be faithful, to know and apply the Word of God, it will cut Hebrews 4 and 12. It'll open up their heart. They'll see that there's sin, that they're desperate need of me. And you know what they'll do? They'll turn and they'll follow. So today, how does this all begin? What happens at this moment in our time? 1 Corinthians 15, it's on the screen for you. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast. So if you're in the Word of God, stay in the Word of God. Be immovable. Don't back up. Don't give in. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. If you carry the sword of the Word of God in your heart, you're known and applying, listen to me, not only will you be a rock, but you'll reach people in the sand. God's Word will see you through if you are steadfast, if you're immovable, if you're always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now watch this, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You say, what in the world does that look like, Keith? Here's the takeaway. Every morning, if you'll labor by reading your Bible for the purpose of transformation. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you will reach out to us at info at jacksonfbc.com with your questions. And check out more of our ministries at jacksonfbc.com.